it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Welcome to the Often Daunted Podcast. This is your host, Burke White, and thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time checking in on the show, uh, this is a little different, and this is going to be the new formula for the year 2024, as uh, I'm going to be recording the next day after games in order to have more guests on, get a little more voices on the show, and uh, yeah, give you a little more uh, <laughs> clean coverage on uh, what we just witnessed. And in this case, it was the Purdue drubbing of Indiana, 87 to 66, as Purdue goes into Bloomington and has their best win there since 1934. That would make it easily their best win in Assembly Hall and probably four buildings before that. So I wanted to reach out to the other side of the aisle, and uh, I have a great guest on, the first guest of 2024 here on the Often Daunted podcast. This is my brother, Pete White. Pete White, everybody. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. Sorry about the yeah, loss. Yeah. It was a tough one. Yeah, I'm sure it was tough for you. Now, uh, those of you that don't know, Pete at one point was the uh, president of the Yogi Ferrell fan club back in the day, probably in fourth, third grade, whenever that was. Uh, now he's currently a senior at Purdue. And, uh, you know, someone has to enjoy in my suffering so much. I'm glad it's my brother. I guess, yeah, I guess I'm glad it's my brother. I've embraced it. I'm yeah, sure. the, the villain of the family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what is there to say about that game? That, that was just an utterly depressing performance by the Hoosiers and Purdue just absolutely answered the call rolled into Bloomington and ate the Hoosiers lunch right coming into the game I saw the spread was nine and a half and I yeah. was honestly pretty scared of that trap of a spread I didn't want to want to stay away from that so I thought IU would put up a fight but no, things no. got out of hand no and you know why they got out of hand when Mackenzie and Baca was the one single-handedly fighting Purdue there in the first minutes of this game I thought yes we have a freshman ready to ball again this year, who is going to single-handedly take down the big, big bad Boilermakers for us. And then, of course, he picks up the two quick fouls, and instead Mike Woodson decides to let his ass ride the pine. It's It was astounding, and it's just been a trait of what Mike Woodson has been doing all season with his minute distribution, with his time management. He doesn't ride the hot hand. He hasn't just let – he hasn't risked anything. These guys the way, haven't – wait, what? Go ahead. The way the game was being called, though, like things could have got out of hand for foul trouble if you – could have kept them in. They could get, they could have got out of hand, but Mackenzie Mbako ends his night with, after being subbed out with, like I think, like 14 minutes left in the first half with two fouls, he ends his night with two fouls. Ends his night with two fouls. He was going to clean it up himself. Mike just does not trust these guys to be able to protect themselves, to be able to play a little more uh, reserved in order to stay on the floor. Like, Mackenzie Mbako at times, is the only guy who can get a bucket on this Indiana team right now. And... Yeah, what what scenario other than when the top ranked rival is in town? Are you going to let your guys just are you going to just put the best guys on the floor and let it ride? Right. Yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, it, it, especially you have to be risky when you are going up against the mechanized, just the mechanized weaponization of attrition. That is this Purdue team right now. Purdue just gets I, I brought it up on the last episode when I was previewing this Purdue matchup and I, I said. Purdue is its best when they're getting to the free throw line because, damn, they knock down those free throws. They are just – it is a war of attrition where it's going to be a long one, and uh, Purdue's good enough that – guess what? It's going to be a long and depressing one. That was actually – that was my biggest impression, like, 
most impressive thing about that game for Purdue was just the free throws were insane. A lot of chances, but we win or lose games at the free throw line, and we've had losses just like that too. I mean, Zach Eady, he's just tall, or is he a free throw merchant? People are out here saying. I don't know. Consistent. (laughs) I love just putting merchant behind everything now. (laughs) It's the best. Okay. Hey, objectively, objectively, Pete, what, what? What was your thoughts on the officiating in that game? Objectively, I mean, it was getting—it was a scra- it's a scrappy game. I saw at halftime they were. Oh, I already know where this shit is going. God damn! <laughs> Go continue. <laughs> at halftime, they ranked the rivalry between in the state like second biggest college rivalry, which I mean, it's crazy that's up there. There's a lot of history between the two, but it was obviously scrappy. And any time, so what Edie's about the got, officiating? Anytime Edie's got the ball in the paint, teams are scrapped and they're digging, they're double teaming, and. That hits the wrist a couple times. I think all the calls were granted. Like you, you they, maybe not all of them, but oh, dude, the even Robbie calls. towards the end of that game was like, nah, I don't know about those last two. Like even yeah. Robbie, and you know what? I love a Robbie Hummel called game. Usually, this game he was being a little insufferable in that first half. Like we know damn well how embarrassing that was, and he made it abundantly clear that the Hoosiers needed to be embarrassed for what was going on. I feel like you can be a little bit more biased towards us. After the Nebraska loss, he was kind of saying Nebraska's all – I mean, Nebraska's great. I think they're going to be a problem in the Big Ten, but he's quick to defend the other team and support the other team against Purdue, but love Robbie for sure. No, no man, the, the officials in that game, let's let's talk about the numbers a little. You got – if you ask me, this unbiased individual speaking right now, that was absolute dog shit officiating. <laughs> uh, like, of course, Purdue gets two bullshit calls their way on McKenzie to start the game. The first – an entirely bull of shit call – with uh, in the beginning with, with the charging of Braden Smith. The uh, second foul, just being right off the bat, the bullshit block called shooting foul against Mason Gillis. Oh, you know that one was bad. Yeah, was that an and one? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. No, no, I don't think so. But oh, no, just... it, it that was bullshit, and you know that one. And at the 13-minute mark in the first half, both Kalel, Ware, and Mackenzie Mbaka were sitting on the pine with two. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's like Kalel's are a little more understandable because it wasn't against Braden Smith and Mason Gillis. It was against Zach Eady. That makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. Um. Then, then it was just ticky tack after ticky tack, man. Like I, I, you cannot say that that was a fairly officiated game. I know you're going to st- sit here and defend the Boilermakers as you should. That's why I had I mean, you on the show. But 27, 27 free throws is kind of an insane. Twenty-seven amount. to nine. That's a lot. That's <laughs> that's quite a discrepancy. Yeah, that's twenty-seven really to nine. What was more perverse was that twenty-seven to nine is almost like after they, the the refs got to convene at halftime and think, hey, maybe we should throw Indiana a few because heading into the half. The discrepancy was 16 to two. We had two free throws in the first half. Yeah, they had to call it the other way. It, man, I, I the second half definitely looked better for like not as many fouls. Honestly, when the, when the when the fouls got called, like roughly five minutes into this game, as as hot as McKenzie was out of the gate, as much just optimism as I can have with this program at times, I genuinely was gutted because I was like, okay, with the way this game, game with the, the game with the way this game is being called. I really had a, well, we can't beat Purdue and the refs, like, moment within the first five minutes. So I, I was ultimately, like, we fought back in that second, but I was checked out and all, coming to terms almost halfway through that first. I think part of it that, like, Zach Eady's, like, such a machine in the paint, and it's so, like, he gets the ball down there, he goes up every time, and you live with that. Team's coach, he gets it. Make the refs call some stuff, and the refs just called it more more often than they didn't in that game. Yeah, yeah, it's... And we were shooting lights out, too. If we were open on threes... We got to make them this year. That's that's what we're really good at this year as compared to last year. Jones and Floyer just absolutely gutting us from beyond. Fletcher went four for four from beyond. 
Lance Jones three for seven, which is impressive in itself, but your teammate went four for four, which is just bananas. Right. That fast break by Lance Jones looked awesome. That looked like poetry in motion. When was that the one that Edie dived? On the deck, yeah. That was my I, favorite play of the game. But Your favorite play of the game? Wait, yeah, I saw a guy just giving it all for his school and Zach Edie. Then I saw a potential lot. The three point line I, I, saw, I saw also with a chance for the ball was a potential lottery pick. Um, making sure not to risk his future. So <laughs> like Cam yeah. Newton, <laughs> Kalel Ware doing his best Cam Newton impression with the uh, business decision. But I heard um heard Mike Woodson had some comments after the game about Ware and being too soft. Is that true? Well, yeah, it it is fair. They were, man, Kalel Ware is, you see, he's a skilled individual. He's athletic as all hell, but he's he just doesn't have, doesn't bruise like most of the centers in this conference. He doesn't and have that Chase Jackson factor. It's, 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 it's bruise. It's how you take elbows. Like it's, it's, it's big 10 front court play. And uh, at times and against lesser competition, he is out. He is outplaying them. He is, he is out finessing them, which is That's something, like, but mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to out finesse seven, four and talent like Zach. Eady. That game's marked on the calendar. He, he kind of, didn't play too good. Who? Kalel. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. Five points for Kalel. Six rebounds. I will say, hey, six rebounds in twenty-six minutes. The thing is, Indiana was fighting for boards as amicably as they have all year, which is sad. But, but I do credit them for putting up somewhat of a fight, even though just Purdue is gonna just bludgeon you to death on the boards. It's a scrappy game, like I said. Yeah, the, the front court. Yeah, Mike Woodson called him out. The front court. Kalel wear two for six, five points. Uh, Malik Renew four for ten, eight points. It's just a down game for Malik as well. He, who, I mean, heading into this one, he's been averaging like twenty some points. He's he's been on a hot streak, but man, that 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 Purdue front court just presented so many problems that he hasn't come across yet. Did you see um Zach Eady's comments after the game? No, what they asked him like what he thought about winning Assembly Hall, and he was like, "Well, I, I thought I could have played better, but he, meanwhile, he dropped the most quiet thirty three point double double." I've seen him do like that was one of a master class and granted I think he was 11 for 12 from free throws but he went le- first 11 he made 11 which is just yeah. insane as for a seven foot four guy but during the game you texted me Purdue is boring basketball it's it's pretty boring but it's fundamental and when the formula's right and it's winning yeah you know what we we live we, we play the two-hour games so that the time between them can be celebrated can be enjoyed and Purdue fans get to enjoy that time this season they they are enjoying it so much more than Indiana fans right now, and it's it's just a sad state of basketball in this fine state we call home, mm-hmm. when Purdue is just handing Indiana that big of a loss in Assembly Hall. I would talk, say talk about great rivalries. You were saying this is the best rivalry. Like man, that doesn't make for great rivalries. Indiana has to compete. Indiana has to bring up the program's level, and we have to make this rivalry what it is, which is one of the greatest in college basketball. Right, right. But it gives and it goes. IU had their years, but it's just Purdue's on top right now. Last year was a bad year. I mean, I think the whole team returning took that personally. Yeah, yeah. The whole team returning and Jalen leaving. Yeah, and Trace Jackson was the ED stopper. That's the worst, dude. That is the worst. Just thinking, like, Indiana's – every problem with Indiana right now is the backcourt not being able to distribute to the frontcourt not, and not being able to knock down shots. And it's like, man, if only he sucked a little freshman year. If only he sucked a little freshman year and we'd have him this year. Right. Um, I was interested because we didn't really play. I was talking about freshmen playing. All right, Miles Colvin, our freshman star, he's coming up. I think he, he was looking at IU before he committed to Purdue, right? Yeah, yeah. It would have been interesting to see how they would have embraced him in Assembly Hall. Well, he really only got yeah. one minute. No, nah, I mean, but then at the same time, we get, went out and got Mbako instead, and they kind of play the same spot, don't they? Miles Colvin rocking the three. Oh, is yeah. Colvin pulling up the two? 
more of a shooting guard, but small forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, can... we we'll take all the twos we can get, man. Right. It's it's and then everybody who just praises Gabe Cups and Gabe Cups, he's a defensive pest. He is. He 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 really throws a cog in a lot of the systems on that side. But man, production wise, he just does not have it his freshman year. And everybody who saw what like all, all IU fans, they are paying attention to Purdue, and they saw what Braden Smith did last year. Both those guys, Mr. Indiana basketball in their respective state, everyone thought, hey, maybe maybe Gabe Cups could do, could hold it down like Braden. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he just is not able to find the bucket. That's really and, key to recruiting in Indiana, winning the local the local guys. Yeah, and it, I mean, it is interesting to see like what is going to come of this way. Mike Woodson is doing it, where we, we are going after the top guys and only the top guys. And right now, we only have one top guy to show for it in next year's incoming class. Uh, that being said, shout out to Liam McNeely for his huge weekend at the Hoop Classic, where I think he won like MVP rights. So that, that's some option. Yeah, some some hope come down the pike for us. But honestly, after that Purdue game, man, it's it's I'm gonna force optimism. I'm going to get up for Indiana basketball. But man, it is getting to the point where if this team doesn't start winning some games, giving us some reason to get up, like it, it's almost to Rutgers mode where we are on to next season where we have a potential recruit coming in to uh, help out. But that being said, I mean Big Ten freshmen this year, wolf, like what what are what. You, hedging the future on incoming help just is not the way to operate in today's game when teams can go out and get seven seniors in a single offseason. I don't I don't know, but was that um how many times have IU lost in assembly this year? Second time. Just Kansas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, one and two. That I mean <laughs> if there's two teams you have to lose to home like lose to at home, I guess it might as well be those two. Which game do you think was bigger for IU? It's always Purdue. It is, especially this year with just how much hype. I don't know, but then Kansas was Hunter Dickinson. And man, if a Big Ten fan can't get up to hate Hunter Dickinson, <laughs> like you ain't got a pulse. That's true. Um, yeah. It you mentioned Braden Smith. Braden Smith he's actually was shooting not too not good. Yeah, over five on the night, I think. Yeah, but he was dishing out assists, which was really good. So you can ask for him, but I can't imagine like him playing a game like that again and not going off on points and a twenty-one point lead. Dude, I don't know something about the Hoosiers, man. He's stunk in those matchups. But yeah, I mean, just speaking of just how solid, how uh, Purdue is holding it down across the board. Each of their guys is doing their job to at and. Just like what? What's the leadership situation on Purdue do this year? I, I haven't been paying close enough attention to know. I mean, of course, Zach Eadie's leading production and leading every stat and has all the national attention. But who's like the moral fiber of the squad right now? Um, obviously, yeah, obviously Zach Eadie. But I mean, all of them are just really the chemistry's crazy this year. And I mentioned before the game to you that Lance Jones is one of my favorite players, transfer from Southern Illinois, and he's just like our X factor guy. Brings energy. I don't know if he's like much of a leader, but like a role model for like hustle. And that's what we and a role model for coming in and playing a role. He's a role model role player, right? Like brings energy. He's he's brought in athleticism, his uh, breakout speed that Purdue lacked in seasons prior. Uh, maybe Jaden Ivy had a bit, but an underdog mentality. Like he grinded to get to Big Ten basketball. Yeah, he's an absolute dog, and it's like that that level of fight. You you see it through that squad. They're they're all invested in every possession that's happening. And it just like goes to show like who's leading Indiana right now. Like when, when credit to Trey Galloway for coming out of that half and uh, fighting back to an extent. He was hustling hard too. That, that coming out of half, we were actually getting pretty scared. That was a nice run. Mike Woodson probably had some good words to say, but yeah, but that that goes to said who's coming back from a fifty-one to twenty-nine deficit. Like who's coming back from that? That's true. How how like like I said, Mackenzie and Kalel both went to the bench with like thirteen minutes left in the first. When you're down that much, the game's over. Like, the game's over. Why are you yeah. sitting those guys? If you're down 15 in the first half, the game is going to be over if you don't do something about it right now. Got to take the chance. 
yeah, and that yeah, just that that the thesis of this episode is man, play the guys. Sorry, uh, yeah, and uh, just just speaking to the moral character of that squad, the Purdue team we just faced, the the hard nosed nature in which they're going to go out and win. Xavier Johnson, God damn it, Xavier Johnson. Yeah. This this team has no leaders because we put all of our eggs in the XJ basket. We didn't go out and get guards because we said, hey, Xavier's going to hold it down. Six-year senior, what could go wrong? And, man, we are seeing everything that can go wrong. Flagrant two games prior to this, gets ejected from it, sits the next game because, dude, it was a boneheaded nut punch. Well, and, then, and then in this game, he comes on. He has zero points, zero assists, and three personal fouls, one of which is another flagrant. A lesser degree flagrant, man. but still. Uh, and, and then, yeah, you saw when – he was going to get when he got laid out by Edie. Like both of our big men could have said something to him, could have called it out, could have said, "Hey, hey, big man coming! Like watch out, mm-hmm. man!" Just nobody's watching. Like it's just a chemistry issue across the board that our team isn't even communicating on that level. Do they expect him to be the leader, the role model? Yes, yes. He heading into this season. I, I mean, there were fans out there who saw this coming, and credit to them, they knew. I was, I was optimistic, optimistically idiotic about the whole situation, and thought that. You know, a sixth-year senior who played all those six years, you would think, uh, yeah, you would think, hey, we have an unprecedented level of uh, experience here because that's what it was. With the COVID year, we are we have players in college basketball with unprecedented levels of experience in college basketball. And just to see how this – like, it's been a roller coaster with X for throughout his entire career at Indiana. But to see his final season be the absolute basement of that time, man, it's heartbreaking for – him it's heartbreaking for fans it's heartbreaking for this program and if you can't tell we're down bad right now (laughs) if you can't tell we're down bad right now and credit to trey like this captainship was basically fell to him by just lack of other options like every we had so many seniors leave we had trace jackson davis leave and yeah the team team just was entrusted to xavier johnson and in, to a lesser extent, like a, almost in a Robin to Batman extent, Trey Galloway. And, yeah, it's just absolutely bit us in the ass. And uh, all I ask is this Indiana program, go out. And it's getting to the point where Mike Woodson, you got to get some shooters. Like, or there's going to be – people are already calling for him, but it's going to be bad if, if this is what it continues to be. This offseason in the transfer portal – I don't care if he needs to give half his salary to a point guard. Do you think he's good at like, like developing players? As far as we've seen, man, it's it's rough. I, I we were just talking about. I was just in my group text with Eddie, Evan, and those guys, or just all the IU guys, and we were just talking about Gabe Cups, and we were like, man, yeah, maybe maybe it's time to sit X, get Gabe all the experience for next season. But but then we were just like, man, the even then, what <laughs> we were talking about, like, if we do that, if we do that, Gabe Cups could be a reliable starting point guard. He could carry us into next season and blah, blah, blah. Gabe Cups ain't making shots right now. We need to go out and get a shooter. We need shooting. And and I, just speaking to why we can't just rely on Gabe Cups to find that, man, we, we haven't gotten it from CJ Gunn. We haven't gotten it from Caleb Banks. Malik Renew is taking steps. And you know what? Mike Woodson can develop big guys, can get something in big men because he's got Kalel Ware playing to a level that, like, even though he had a, a clunker game, against Purdue, like just with his inability to physically match what Purdue was throwing at him. He's, he's unlocked a level to his game when Oregon passed on him, just saying he's soft. I think he was like getting two minutes a game last season, a real uh, Xavier Booker situation. If Xavier Booker goes out and falls somewhere else. Yeah. So he got that out of him. He got Malik is playing better than he ever has. He, he is other than this game. Again, this game was so bad. Um, I feel Malik's, like the best, 
the best player I, that I've seen IU on IU has been Trace Jackson. He's just like that was just a development. Took a long time getting better and better and better. If you go out and like recruit like that, you'll get stars like Ware. But he's gonna be gone next year to the league. No, but uh, yeah, I was saying in in development, like Trace Jackson Davis was always that like athletic. He was. He, he was always making plays like that, but Mike Woodson was able to unlock a dog in him, like an absolute piss and vinegar dog. Mm-hmm. But so, so he can develop those big, big guys, but we have not seen any of it in the backcourt, any of it. And it's, a, I think we have the highest paid and the largest assistant staff in the country, man, somebody has got to figure it out. I, I don't know who it is, but I can tell you if I was doing my job this bad, I'd probably be fired. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not calling for anyone, but man, we need some development. We need some, we need character. This team entirely lacks character right now. Um, talking to character, there's been a video I I use basketball team going around Purdue right now of them dancing to a TikTok. Seem like a TikTok locker room. Okay, take it easy. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but that's not. Dude, you know, you're a kid. You're a senior in college right now. All of you yeah. are TikToked out of your mind. I'm not making TikToks getting blown out by 21 though. <laughs> no, you just making TikToks sitting on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, it. Hey. See, and, and, you know, when we saw that video initially, we're sharing it around. It's good times. It's good times when teams are winning, man. Painter, when you're losing, it, when you're losing, that shit is so annoying. It's so cringy. And it's, it's you know what? They could have done it while we were winning. But now I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it <laughs> when we are getting our asses whooped by 21 points in Assembly Hall. I think the outcome of that game would have been different if we wouldn't have lost to Nebraska the way we did. I think that was bad for you guys. Yeah, speaking of, Wisconsin on the docket next. Dude, seeing them get blown out like that or seeing them get beat in Penn State like that, they're going to they're gonna want to kill us. They're going to be trying to murder us. <laughs> yeah, the luck of the schedule. Yeah, can, two teams. Sometimes. The two best teams, the two top teams in the Big Ten right now, we're getting both off of their worst losses of the year. Playing with something to prove, yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's not going great in Assembly Hall, man. It's, it's that, that Purdue game just absolutely deflating. Maybe that sets them straight. That that was that was, absolutely... that was a whole different team coming out for the second half. I was I was legitimately scared. So it's in there somewhere. But yeah, well, it, it's in there for like Trey Galloway. Trey, you know what? Yeah, that's that's a Trey Galloway spurt. Trey Galloway would be a he was a great six man on last year's team. He was a great role player on last year's team. He's being asked to do so much because we just do not have a backcourt. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, man, if you, if you had that in doses, if you had Trey in doses, he is an injection of energy, but when he's asked to be out there for as long as he is, it, you, you just aren't getting that reliably. And yeah, that it's, it's upsetting to see, but it's, it's the facts. It's, it's the nature of his game of this conference that it just, it just isn't working out in the long haul. I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, and he's not a primary ball handler. He isn't like he's being asked to be, he, he didn't commit here thinking he was going to have to run the one as much as he has this season. Mm-hmm. it's just a sad state of affairs this this game was an absolute system forged in fire in purdue versus a team who throws out a bunch of talent without a game plan of how to get the best out of it and uh yeah something i, I just need to see an adjustment made by this indiana coaching staff to address any of the problems we've seen they've been persistent problems over the course of the season and it's like man I don't need to see. I don't need to see you fix them. I need to see you just trying to fix them. It, it's yeah. It, it's pain. It's painful right now. It's painful, and uh, I don't know when it when we're gonna let up. When it's gonna end, <laughs> but 
Here, here's hoping uh, Indiana can put their heads down, can just bury this one, bury this one as deep as it goes because, hey, this record book, this is the worst loss in Assembly Hall. It's go- it is going in the record books. This, this, is, a, this is a yeah. tattooed game on the rivalry of Indiana-Purdue. And uh, That one stings. Yeah, as much as it stings, you wish you had a leader in the locker room to be like, man. Okay, here's my question. I, this is how I figure out who Purdue's leader is. If you guys were down f- 15 points at halftime, who who that who's going into the room, MF and dudes telling them you're playing soft as shit. We need to step it up. You're playing soft as shit. We need to step it up. Like who who's the player that's doing that? I want to say Zach Eady. I mean Zach Eady. After last March, he was pretty mad, mad in the locker room. But I I like Lance Jones a lot because he will. He, I think he'll speak his mind because he almost fought some dude first game of the season, and he's just got the energy to say to say what he wants. All right, so Lance Jones is the dog, which is guy. crazy because it's just his first year here. Like, yeah, already taking ownership in the result. But yeah. I mean, I think it's just such a machine of a team that like they all nobody clearly steps out to own it. They all just yeah. I, I guess that's just a credit to Painter because I would assume that he's the one to do it. Then, mm-hmm. man, the the lack of that in this Indiana program right now is it's so so deflating to all of us fans who desperately want to see a team win, let alone just you know put up a fight. And uh, yeah. So yeah, hey, a big game for a Big yeah. Ten, Big yeah. Ten ranking wise, but it'll be a battle down to the end of the stretch with Big Ten play. Because what you're only like three games back now. Like that was, you're still third or fourth in the Big Ten. Yeah, I no, I think we moved into the fifth spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there is, there is, but there's uh, not a lot of chances for Indiana to get that good resume building win left. The shame is, the that? shame is, the shame is, all of our best ones are coming back to back to back. So it's like you almost just you almost just sit sit the best guys for two of those games just to get the one win, and it's it's no am I am I nervous about that that Indiana is not going to make the tournament? Hell yeah, dude! Indiana is on the outside looking in. They are not if the tournament is tomorrow, they are out, and not just out, they are out. They are far out there, and uh, they are they are not invited to the NIT out there. I use pretty good at playing like single game like in the tournament, like the Big Ten. Ch- championships always they've been putting up good runs under woodson oh, and really man. that's recency like well now i mean managed. at this rate we're gonna need an immaculate run to a big 10 tournament title it, but, but see the thing is the talent on this team if we just had one of these backcourt guys step up I, I i'm not like it's impossible i'm not i'm not convinced it's impossible because because Mbako is nba caliber talent if on the right day on the right weekend he can beat anyone kalel Ware, same thing, other than just Purdue, who's going to just muscle the shit out of him with Zach Eady. And, yeah, Malik. This this was undoubtedly an off game for Malik. This was also the one front court in the Big Ten who has the size to throw on both Kalel and Malik at, simultaneously. Yeah, just tough, just tough. No, I, I, I give, I give, I do give Purdue credit just for the freaking absolute, absolutely methodical beatdown they put on the Hoosiers. It, it's left us all rattled. And West West Lafayette has to be just smiling ear to ear across the population right now. It's a good day. Yeah, I bet so. <laughs> but um, I guess last year it was personal. Last year losing back to back in Mackey too. This team has a mission to do what we didn't do last year, and that includes March Madness too. Yeah, I will say. Speaking of like what you didn't do last year, the loss to Nebraska, then the no, the loss to Northwestern, then the loss to Nebraska. It was starting to feel a lot like last year. And I, I, I have to admit, I Purdue has turned a corner in, in the man. Like, they didn't just get the monkey off the back with this game. They, they took the monkey off their back, pulled out a nine millimeter and shot it in the head. <laughs> like, it's, it's just what they did in this game has left, has left me just 
rattled and unable to man it, it's getting harder and harder to find optimism to keep thinking that this team's going to find a way into the tournament i mean i will say what does give me optimism is the fact that i have a feeling if purdue or if michigan state ends the season like eighth in the big 10 they're giving they're putting eight big 10 teams in the tournament like the way the national discourse is on on michigan state right now they could lose half their games the rest of the season and they're still in it's astounding it's astounding how much forgiveness is given to that michigan state state side after so much expectations yeah 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 fifth in the they were preseason number five. Oh man yeah hey uh the good the bad and the ugly i do this on each episode uh recapping the game the good the bad and the ugly i want to hear your good the bad and the ugly for the hoosiers for, the hoosiers yeah IU? not yeah not for purdue i want you to see what you saw was good what was bad and what was just downright ugly as hell Uh, like I mentioned, the good part was their second half run, turned it around. Assembly Hall was allowed at that part. Painter was rattled too, called a few timeouts, but even coming out of the timeout, like he had to use another one to stop the run. I think it was a 14 to seven run, might be more than that, but the lead got cut down to nine at one point, I think. So that yeah. was, I was, I was scared for that, but it's capable. Trey's, Trey, Trey brings energy, but six minutes way better coming out of the bench, coming off the bench and out of the locker room. It's hard to keep that sustained if you get that much playing time. All right, so we got the good. That was Trey's performance. I would say good is uh, Trey. We need, we still need more scoring from who is our only backcourt scorer, and it isn't fair to ask him for more scoring. But we des- we need it. We need it. So he needs to find a way to produce it. It's an unfair circumstance he finds himself in, but he's there. And uh, other good, I'd say uh, Gabe Cups finally freaking finding the bucket twice in this game. He's been uh, he's been hoisting up shots like every. He's probably taken two shots a game, and most of them aren't going in on the season. Um, every single time he shoots, he looks like his dad is going to beat him for having taken the shot while he's shooting it. Like it's, it's just, he looks guilty. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, Oh man, there's, there's so many better players on this team that should be taking that shot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can't think like that. You can't. So, I mean, good on Gabe cups, but man, just quit. Think, get out of your own head, get out of your own way. Start knocking him down. We brought you here because he was a just high school knockdown shooter. Shooter shoot. LeBron says he's the best shooter in that class. Oh, that is true. <laughs> and I know you think LeBron's better than Michael, so it's, it's like uh, we, won't, we won't get into that. But it's like it's like uh, Jesus. I'll put him above him. Mom, Dad, and LeBron for your four favorite people right there. No, Zach Eady's <laughs> uh, up there too. Oh, I guess Zach Eady. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. The uh, good, uh, the bad. What was it? Was just uh, just slightly bad for Indiana. Yeah. But make sure to save that downright ugly. So bad was the post post defense. That's as bad for every team that plays against Edie. But today, especially like the perimeter, like would always perimeter would always help down and dig on Edie. And Edie was great at kicking it out, just not stepping to the shots and closing out in time. We were knocking down threes just based off getting in the paint and kicking it right out. That freaking Braden Smith wrist pass is so annoying. The wrist he'll, he'll 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 immediately get it on the wing, like where he caught it and just. Yeah. Flick it with his wrist. I like Jesus. it. We, not selfish. Swing the rock. Find the open shooter. That was it. It was it was swing the rock. Find the open shooter. If he's not there, pass it down to Zach Eady. If Zach doesn't, doesn't take it, he'll swing it back out. Swing it all the way around. Fletch is open. Yeah. It, it, it's ridiculous. It was so methodical, and <laughs> it's it, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the downright ugly. What you got? I guess I have. A, I kind of have a good ugly. 
But that one block by Colaware was pretty pretty nasty. I don't know if that's the ugly you're looking for, but that no, was... I'm looking for just terrible, just downright terrible. I would have to be exa- the screen by Xavier Johnson. It looked like <laughs> he was going in the locker room. That that looked pretty soft. I mean, he's 300 some pounds, and like the communication, like you said, somebody should tell him the screen's coming. But that's like a brick wall, and he just fell. Downright ugly. I'm going to give it to Xavier Johnson as well. Um, you know, it, it, people talk these talking heads, sports talking heads, like myself now. Um, it's uh, you never want to call out the kids. You never want to call out the kids. With Xavier Johnson, we are not calling out a kid. This, this dude is six years past the age that you get drafted into World War Three, folks. And uh, yeah, that's nuts. It, it's uh, it's painful that uh, this is that's who this Indiana coaching staff, this Indiana program entrusted the keys to the program this season. Um, and the thing is, he ain't just letting it rip and he ain't flooring it like we like maybe Xavier Johnson with the keys to a program would based on his history. Oh, no, has, player he any, the, has he had wait, any what? good moments this season where like you actually believe the hype of no i mean he's held it in in some wins he's he's been reliable in getting the ball down low putting up like 12 points or something like that but it, we got his first year in bloomington he really he really made us hopeful for what was to come because he would put up like he'd have some 20 point games like just here and there sprinkled on the season and you're like oh great his fourth year he's gonna put it together and just absolutely kill him and then just wasn't regularly bringing it every time. And that's been the case forever. We've always been holding out hope. We thought surely his, this fifth off season has done it for him. And uh, unfortunately it just has, uh, it's, it sucks. I love Xavier Johnson. I, 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 I wanted nothing but good things for him. And I still hope there are good things down the road for Xavier Johnson, but man, if this doesn't seem like this story is coming to an end for him here in Bloomington, I, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, player player of the game, show Walter Fish of the game. I give it out each episode. Uh, this episode I'm gonna give it to Mackenzie. Let's just give it to Mackenzie. I mean, he came out the gate looking to fire. That he has. If it wasn't for just all the defensive trouble he's given us, just acclimating himself to college ball this season, he would he would be right up there with Owen Freeman for Big Ten Rookie of the Year. Um, because just also rookies in the Big Ten are absolute trash right now. Or freshmen. I, I keep saying rookies. Um, everyone listening, I'm going to be going through the rest of the show. Uh, just some Indiana news, the uh, Big Ten news around the conference, some results around the conference, and then getting you out of here with a Wisconsin preview as well as that Hoosier history hit. Do you want to stick around or are you good? Um, I actually got to head to take it easy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was your first guest of the Often Daunted podcast for 2024. My brother, Pete White. Thank, Thank you, you for Pete. having me. After we beat that ass in Mackie, I'm giving you a call. All right. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, right. That squad that took the floor yesterday. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yep. Like I said at the top of the episode, I'm going to be releasing these episodes now two days after the game day uh, just so I can get some guests on. I can uh, have some more time to record to prepare this episode for you. So I do appreciate you uh, taking that one day to... Uh, Sit back and take it easy while you were waiting on this one. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Often Daunted podcast. Let's get into some of the Indiana news. All right, not a lot of Indiana news other than Purdue absolutely whooping us. Um, We got Matt Painter. Uh, Just some Indiana news. I wanted to share Matt Painter's thoughts on Mackenzie Mbaco that he had shared Monday. Matt Painter said he's shown as he's gotten acclimated to college basketball, his decision-making is better. 
especially when he puts the ball on the floor. Painter went on to say his defense is better. There's where he struggled the first five, six, seven games of the year, and it cost him minutes because he wasn't ready to defend. Now he's doing a much better job. He's on his line. He's aware. He knows what's going on. He knows what Mike wants. Yeah. Uh, Just some kind words from Matt Painter talking about uh, Mackenzie Mbako taking his steps recently. Um, Yeah, I was appreciative of it before the game. (laughs) Now I just wish... uh, yeah, I wish we got to see more of McKenzie in that game. Got to see him take the next step in his game. Uh, he came out of the gate just knocking him down. Um, fortunately, that foul trouble absolutely crippled his minutes in this one. Shout out to Liam McNeely for his performance at the Hoop Hall Classic. Where uh, at Pro Insight on X shared uh, just, just the scouting report of the Hoop, Hoop Hall Classic. Saying in a huge matchup in Springfield on Sunday... Indiana men's basketball signee Liam McNeely had one of the best showings of any player. This was a statement performance for him, not only showing off his high-level shooting ability, but unveiling greater levels of complexity and versatility in his game. On the offensive end, he leveraged his shooting gravity to get downhill in a hurry and could finish with his soft touch and strong frame, as well as create for others with live dribble passing. Defensively, he took on some really tough assignments and got big stops time and time again, executing well both on and off the ball. All, all tools that uh, we desperately could use now that we get to look forward to having on this program's team. And uh, that Hoopal Classic, that had some of the top recruits in the country playing in it. I think I saw somewhere that there was just like a... I mean, there was multiple three, four, and five stars on each of those teams present at that event. Shout out to Liam for having such a good showing and uh, for giving us yet another reason to be excited for his arrival next season. The last bit of Indiana news I wanted to share, not so much Indiana news, but an Indiana recipe. Freezing your ass off? Here's Bob Knight's chili recipe. Three pounds ground beef, one onion chopped, two cans of tomato soup, one can of water, two packages, one and three quarter ounce packages of chili seasoning mix, such as McCormick's, or four to six tablespoons commercial chili powder, one can whole tomatoes with their juice, two bay leaves, one tablespoon of sugar, one teaspoon hot pure chili pepper, two cans dark kidney beans, salt and pepper to taste, And the directions for that recipe in a large pot. Brown ground beef and onion. Drain off fat. Add tomato soup, water, chili seasoning mix, tomatoes, bay leaves, sugar, and chili powder. Simmer over low heat for two hours, checking on liquid and stirring often. Add kidney beans during the last hour of cooking. Salt and pepper to taste. Yeah, not a lot of news, so I wanted to share Bobby Knight's uh, chili recipe for you. Let's get into some national news. This week, Jameer Young was named the Big Ten Player of the Week. When Young averaged 20 points, 6.5 assists, and 3.5 rebounds, as well as one and a half steals across the Terps' wins against both Michigan and Illinois. Owen Freeman earned Freshman of the Week honors for Iowa. As he earned his third double-double of the season this week while setting a new career-high 22 points in the Hawkeyes' 94-76 win over Nebraska. With Kentucky losing to Texas A&M, that's five of the top six falling to unranked teams this week. Next, a bit on Terrence Shannon, as last week we saw him file a lawsuit to sue the University of Illinois Board of Trustees. In a complaint filed in Champaign County, Terrence Shannon Jr. maintains his innocence and claims the university has served as, quote, judge, jury, and executioner by suspending him indefinitely on December 28th this season. Terrence Shannon's first day in court is scheduled for this Thursday, the 18th. That would be today if you are listening at the date of release. We've seen coaches get into scuffles in the handshake line with Juwan Howard just absolutely throwing haymakers at times, but this week we saw Julian Reese and an Illinois assistant coach get into a scuffle following the handshake line. 
where this was all initiated as Tim Anderson, assistant coach for the Fighting Illini, had refused to shake Reese's hand in the line. Maryland star forward um, took a little umbrage with that and began screaming at the Illinois assistant. What a sour assistant if there was not anything personal that Reese had said to him. That was just a dude who watched Reese put on a double-double, scoring 20 points and grabbing 11 rebounds. Sounds like a sour assistant, if you ask me. Monday, the Chrysler Center saw the reunion of the Fab Five, with Juwan Howard heading up the bench, and Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, and the fourth and fifth guys sitting courtside. I, I'm just kidding. I, I know their names are Jimmy King and Ray Jackson, but of course they're the fourth and fifth guys of the Fab Five. Weird time for this all to happen, if you ask me, as uh, I just say, hey, read the room. Read the room. If this was a Hail Mary to rile up support to keep his job, I don't get it, because so many of this program's decisions this season seem like he's actively trying to get fired at times. Just another weird play by Howard in a tumultuous season. In his 28th season as head coach of Iowa men's basketball, Fran McCaffrey, yes, the big, red, angry ball of anger, has become the winningest coach in Hawkeye history. With the Iowa win over Minnesota on Monday, Fran has earned his 272nd win as head coach. This comes just over, this comes just over a week from when he passed Tom Davis with 127 Big Ten wins on January 6th of this year. Last bit of news for the, uh, I wanted to throw this in here. Last bit of news for any NCAA football fans out there. According to some guy named David Waters with Gator Breakdown, uh, the release date for the first college football video game of e from EA since we saw Denard Robinson gracing the cover of NCAA 14 is set for July 12th, 2024. I have to say I am so excited for that date. I I'm, I'm a, bit of, a bit of a gamer here in the household. Uh, I'm kind of a night owl, so when the girls go to bed, I'm just going to boot it up. And uh, I am excited to be able to boot up some NCAA football again. Take me back to my roots. That was my go-to game. With that in the books, let's get on to some of those Big Ten results for you. Wisconsin continued their stretch of decisive wins as they beat Northwestern in Madison 71-63. Max Klesman going 5-7 for seven from deep on his way to a 24-point night was the highlight of Bucky's production throughout this game. Purdue destroyed Penn State 95-78 on Saturday as they looked as ready as ever to head into Assembly Hall, and damn weren't they. Uh, Zach Eady with 30 points and 20 rebounds in that game against the Nittany Lions before just going into Assembly Hall and getting himself a quick 33-14. and 14. Uh, Exceptional week from an exceptional player, and damn it, they whooped our asses. On Sunday, Michigan State hosted Rutgers as they beat the Scarlet Knights 73-55. Malik Hall with the game-high 15 points. Walk-on Steven Izzo with his first career regulation points as I think he drained an and one. Yeah, good for him. Again, the worst case of nepotism I may have ever seen in college basketball, but here we are. After that game, we saw Maryland roll into Champaign where they beat the Illini. That is that game that I said Julian Reese had the handshake scuffle in. A big road upset for the Terps as Jameer Young and Julian Reese dominated any defensive look the Illini could throw their way. Jameer Young with 28 points, Julian Reese with 20. Monday at noon, Ohio State rolled into Ann Arbor as the Buckeyes have lost three games in a row to the Wolverines in both basketball and football. Chris Holtman's worst and recurring nightmare is happening again as the wheels of Ohio State are beginning to fall off here in January. Doug McDaniel makes his return to the floor as they are at home with 15 points as Michigan ends the five-game losing streak it was on heading into this game. The Fab Five reunion secures the win. Iowa went to Minnesota, where, as I said before in the Fran McCaffrey news, they secured the win with a score of 86-77. to And again, this just makes Fran McCaffrey the winningest coach in Iowa basketball history. Dawson Garcia, shout out to him in that game for his 30-point performance, earning him as he went 12-15 for 15 from the line. 
And that is pretty much every game since uh, our last recording here on the Often Daunted podcast. And uh, yeah, with that in the books, I'm going to get a word here for my partners, and then I will get you on out of here with a preview and that Hoosier history hit for you. Thank you again so much for listening to the Often Daunted podcast. You can follow me anywhere at Often Daunted across all socials. Uh, If you like the show, feel free to give me a subscribe. I'm going to be looking to make it better and better each time. I'm going to be looking to get more people on here, and I'm glad that my brother could join me this time. The the partnership that I've gotten with Big Banter Sports has put me into a position to have more and more people on the show, and I'm going to be looking to utilize it now. Uh, Just a collection of Big Ten podcasts, each in basketball and football, and... uh, yeah, just been a really great group of individuals to uh, work on, bounce show ideas off of, just work on growing each other's shows. I can't thank them enough, and uh, shout out to everyone over there at Big Banter Sports. Thank you. All right, previewing the upcoming game Friday night with Wisconsin. Friday night at 8.30 p.m. in Madison on FS1. Indiana will be going into Wisconsin, licking its wounds, trying to get the best of a Badger team who will also be licking their wounds. Wisconsin will be entering our matchup Friday with a 13-4 record. 5-1 and one in the conference, currently sitting at the top of the Big Ten. And before I start on more of this Wisconsin Badgers team, I want to say I was wrong. I was wrong about the Wisconsin Badgers, and now this deep into the season, I can admit it. When everyone across our Big Ten network, our Big Banter network, on, on, on all the roundtable discussions, when everyone was hyping up how they're bringing everyone back, I was just saying, yeah, but everyone they had sucked. I, I thought that this was going to be a Wisconsin team led by a breakout Connor season season this year, and I thought that it's really not anything to fear, if you ask me. I thought his shooting would be the story of Wisconsin's production for the season, with him taking a step in his ability to put the ball on the ground, showing itself off over the course of the season, but boy, was I wrong. Wisconsin is averaging 75.8 points per game. While that number wouldn't impress too many, as it is currently good for 10th in the Big Ten, it does point to this Wisconsin side being different as this is the highest scoring output in 30 years of Wisconsin basketball. Their offensive efficiency rating this season is only eclipsed by their 2010 to 2011 season and their 2013 to 2015 season in their program's history. Wisconsin has adjusted their go-to offense to include more off-ball motion, including guards off-ball, setting picks for big men, and just bringing far more motion around the ball than we've seen from Wisconsin teams prior under Greg Gard. Wisconsin is currently rebounding 37% of their shots. They eat offensive boards for breakfast, and the Hoosiers will need to bring everything they've got to challenge the Badgers for positioning to cut off second chances, and just those second chance opportunities absolutely killing us. Points off second chances cannot be afforded if we are looking to head into Madison and steal one. A.J. Soares stepped up onto the roster and seemingly eliminated the Wisconsin offense of old with his arrival. Currently averaging 14.8 points per game, he does it from every single level of the floor. He is currently only shooting 30% from deep, but he makes, an, he makes enough shots from deep to keep defenses honest, and that's all you need when you have a player of A.J. Storr's caliber. You just need him to keep the defense honest so that he can blow by him when he wants to and get to the rim because of the spacing that he has available. The Wisconsin offense seems to have been unlocked uh, with his addition to the roster. A.J. Storr has brought to Wisconsin offensive dimensions that have been consistently absent from Madison, and boy has it helped their side. The addition of A.J. Storr has really freed up Chucky Hepburn to allow him to step back and play the more administrative captain's role at the point guard. With A.J. being able to score at will, Chucky hasn't been needed to produce the bulk of the Badgers' points, and the distribution capabilities found on this Wisconsin team are better for it. Chucky Hepburn has given the bulk of scoring responsibility to A.J. Store and has focused on passing as he is currently sitting at 3.9 assists on the season while adding 8.5 points. We, we all know that what A.J. Store has been doing since his arrival in the Big Ten, even without the star power that is Store. This may be one of the deepest Wisconsin rotations that there has been. 
They get production from each guy on the floor and in turn are an exceptionally well-balanced team. 6'9 senior Tyler Wall is Wisconsin's most experienced player this season as Tyler Wall has 126 games played with 85 starts for the Badgers prior to this season tipping off. And despite having more support than ever, Tyler Wall has been able to produce more points per game than he has at any time in his five seasons in Madison. AJ Store's addition and him being able to draw defenders on the dribble has set up Tyler Wall for some of the most efficient looks he's had in his career. Then you got guys like 6'4 junior Max Klesmet on the wing just absolutely sniping. I think he went five or seven in their game prior to the Penn State game. I forget who that had played. But man, he could shoot the lights out, and if it's his night, there's going to be little that Indiana can do to stop him. You you can ask them to rotate better. You can ask them to make better switches. If Klesmet is sinking his shot, Indiana is in for a long game. Then the Badgers also have seven-foot senior, Stephen Crowell. Stephen Crowell has averaged 8.8 points per game his sophomore season, 12.1 his junior, and is currently averaging 11.7 this season. What's more impressive is the insane rate he's converting from the three-point line at this season. He is currently shooting 54.5% from three on the year. Sure, that is a simple sample size of 22 attempts, but still fairly impressive. He can sink the three reliably. What's more, Stephen Crowell is a great passer for a big man. Last season, he averaged 2.5 assists a game, good for second among all seven-footers in college basketball. And he hasn't skipped a beat in setting up his teammates, as he is currently right there again at 2.3 assists. Then you have the freshman John Blackwell. John Blackwell is a huge piece for this Wisconsin team and has blown expectations for a freshman in the Big Ten out of the water. Blackwell's 6'4 frame has not stopped this freshman from being a massive factor on the boards. Currently, John Blackwell grabs about 20% of Wisconsin's rebounds. That percentage is good for the second highest on the team behind Stephen Crowell. The Badgers are going to be coming off a loss at Penn State, where AJ Store led the Badgers' production with 23 points. Not, not great for us to see them lose the one game prior to us heading into Madison to take them on. They will be prepared as can be. Um, Penn State got out to the quick lead, and that alone was enough to fuel Penn State with the hope necessary to pull off the upset. Kind of like the hope that you wish that the Hoosiers could have been able to garner from uh, that the beginning of that Purdue matchup, and if they had left uh, McKenzie in, uh, where the ref's not ripping the black and gold from the tip. Yeah, I'm going to complain about the refs. Still, those Purdue that Purdue game officiating was bullshit. You can say... Oh, you just can't complain about the refs. But the way that that game was being officiated in the first 10 minutes was enough to deflate anyone. You could tell that this was going to be a one-sided affair just from that alone. Like, I, I genuinely feel that way. Oh, that was my last bit of bitching in, about Purdue in the Wisconsin preview. <laughs> How do I think it's going to go? I think Wisconsin's going to be pissed off from that Penn State game and uh, looking to do whatever they can to absolutely clobber the Hoosiers. Man, you wish they would have just went in there and handled business so they weren't on edge like I'm sure they're going to be when we go visit them Friday night. But alas, that's where we are. I mean, got to just sit back and pray for a big game from some of our guys right now. That's, I feel like that is genuinely all you can do at this point. They uh, aren't making the adjustments necessary to continue to show like a team that is trending in the right direction. All you can do is pray. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to be... Uh, Praying with my family, watching that IU game, hoping to God that we can find a way to steal one in Madison. Wear your ski masks, boys. Let's get John out of here with that Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. Robert Clark was born in Newcastle, Indiana on September 13, 1928. As an orphan, he was adopted as an infant and spent his childhood frequently moving out through different locations in Indiana. From an early age, you could tell that this kid was destined for an artistic career. And in 1942, Robert Clark would move to Indianapolis in order to attend the Arsenal Technical High School, known for its strong arts curriculum. 
Following his graduation from there, he spent three years in the U.S. Air Force and then studied at the Art Institute of Chicago and the Edinburgh College of Art in Scotland. Over the course of this time, Robert Clark would change his name uh, as he decided, yeah, I'm going to be a full-blown artist. I'm going to do the damn thing. He took on the name Robert Indiana. Indiana, like many other fellow artists following his graduation and return from the U.S. Navy, moved to New York where uh, his, his artistic roots really started to uh, ground themselves and his uh, career started to take shape. Indiana, like so many of his fellow artists, would scavenge the area's abandoned warehouses for materials, creating sculptural assemblages um, from old wooden beams, rusted metal wheels, and other remnants of the shipping trade that had thrived in the area. And, you know, he was just putting, he was just making his work, making his artwork, and uh, people were enjoying it. People were getting some pretty, pretty stoked on Robert Indiana. And basically, when all is said and done, Robert Indiana became one of the most preeminent figures in American art since the 1960s. He, he really took pop art to another level as uh, his work. You know his work, even if you don't know the man. You know the uh, Philly love sign, the uh, Philly love L crooked O V E. I mean, it's in the Big Ten. Uh, I don't want to be the, I want to live forever. Commercial. You see it when uh, Rutgers pops up or something. No, Penn State. Right after Penn State pops up, that pops up in Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Love Sculpture is a Robert Indiana original. He has many other pieces that you would recognize, and uh, I just wanted to shine a light on the fact that Robert Indiana, go figure, is from Indiana. So that was your Hoosier history hit. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Often Daunted Podcast. I cannot appreciate it enough. You guys all rule. Oh, it's got to get better than this. this. This literally is the lowest that we can get. Losing by 21 to Purdue, the worst loss in Assembly Hall, the worst loss since 1934, so I imagine like the worst loss in our previous four locations on campus. We can get over this. We can move on, and uh, we can we can win the Big Ten tournament and hopefully get into the dance because uh, right now our chances on getting in on our own merit are feeling less and less secure. But I'm going to be here recording after them anyways and uh, hopefully having some more and more people on. Thank you so much. You and yours have a great Thursday, a great Friday, a great Saturday. I'll be back with you Sunday morning releasing the next episode and giving you something to kick off the work week with. And uh, yeah, thank you. God bless you and yours. Take it easy, Hoosier fans. It is always darkest before the dawn. Lux at Veritas. Go Hoosiers. Oh, follow me at Austin Thompson. Thanks.